You don't have to ask questions. I'm going to tell the story clearly. The things you need to know, I'm going to tell you. Yeah, but I married someone once who said that unless she has half my stuff. In three, two, one. Good evening, everybody from New York City. I'm Dan Rydell alongside Casey McCall. Those stories plus. Alongside Steve Cimino, I'm Adam Amin, and you're listening to Those Stories Plus, the Sports Night podcast. Man, this is starting to get interesting because a new character comes in today and we're very excited about it. A new character and one of my favorite characters that I'm just so happy to see. And um, honestly, a few times I was like, "All right, it finally feels like this is the show I knew and loved. Yeah, it is Rebecca. Rebecca is here. It is episode 14, and we get introduced to Terry Polo, who plays the red-headed Rebecca the new object of Dan's interest in this episode. And the other thing that uh, I have to say, and I, I, I don't want to turn anybody off, wasn't a huge fan of this episode. <laughs> like, I just wasn't a oh, – from start to finish, I wasn't a huge fan of it. There's a lot of little moments that I'm like, yeah, I like that part. But as a whole, this episode serves for two purposes, really. serves the purpose of introducing Rebecca yep. and of – Still reminding us that Gordon might want to break up with Dana. That's pretty much it. And those parts, those are good parts. The The main storylines that we're trying to continue or introduce, those are good. Those are where the moments are. But I feel like there's a lot more filler in this episode than maybe uh, I felt in the past. Probably not a good podcast strategy to just tell people, <laughs> hey, don't listen to this. This sucks. You know what? This one's going to let you down. It's going to let you down tremendously. At least for us, it just wasn't. We've had so many great meaty stories over the last few episodes that it's hard to kind of grasp at anything in this. But like I said, I, I feel like there are a couple of really great moments in it. I feel like we're we're at this point, it's about midway through the first season, all the storylines that we're going to get are there. Except yeah. for one totally unexpected one that they, they write in because it happened in real life, which we'll get to. Of course. Uh, but all of our main threads are here, and we're just sort of getting the ball rolling a bit more on... A few of them. That's really all that happens in this episode. Yeah. A lot of good quotes, a lot of good lines, a lot of good moments, but it's also like a overall fairly forgettable episode, I felt like. Episode 14, Rebecca. Uh, originally aired on January 26th, 1999, written by Aaron Sorkin and directed by Tommy Shalami. So we got our dream team going here. Sure, right back Definitely to felt like a Shalami episode, too. With, we got a lot of great camera work, as he usually does. Yeah, there are a couple of really good shots in this. There are some really good lines back and forth written. It's not an empty episode, and I don't want I mean to like make it sound awful or like unwatchable. It's nothing like that. There just wasn't as much, you know, there's not as much on the bone for this one. It just feels like there's a little more filler than usual. There's more non sequiturs in this, yeah. you know, in some of the dialogue. But it's still a great episode and an important one because of what you mentioned. You have to introduce this character. Our synopsis for this episode is Dana fears that Gordon is about to break up with her, but gets some good, if jealous-tinged, advice from Casey. Rumors continue to spread about Isaac's job status, and a little rejection teaches Dan that he may not be the girl magnet that he thinks he is. There's no pun. No puns, no pun. just straight up. Tell me what, what's happening in the episode. We could just turn this episode off right now. It's, <laughs> we've covered every, we've, everything we've covered, right there. And it only took us about two and a half minutes. Let's go get tacos. All right. We will see you guys next time on the show. No, we're just kidding. Obviously. But uh, it begins. We're on air. And it's this uh, great, weird 90s email icon <laughs> going on as the guys are addressing a question from Leonard Mooker of Leonard Massachusetts. Leonard Mooker. A great name, if ever there was one. I also feel like <laughs> you said the graphics that come up with that. I feel like they're going to play Number Munchers next. <laughs> somebody, Anybody remember Number Munchers? <laughs> somebody was uh, about to die of dysentery <laughs> on the Oregon Trail. 
It's uh, His question, I think, is a good question. And I kind of don't like the way the guys handle it with the little smart-alecky remarks, either. I, I, I wrote down that there are a lot of clever and like kind of snarky sportscaster there's a lot of snark in general yeah i think it's a very snarky episode the question was would the 1927 yankees or the 1998 yankees win if the two teams faced each other in a world series i think that's a nice question that's an interesting question we have debates like that we have debates like that all the time and and casey instead of answering the question or giving an opinion decides to just give a snarky response the world series by tradition is contested by two different teams made up of players that are alive at the same time but if you want an answer to your question my guess is that the 27 yankees would be confounded by the jet airplanes flying overhead i like that the episode starts with another one of these cool pans where we start looking at the monitor and then we kind of drift over and look at them in real life i really love when that happens it happens a lot lately too do you think shlami is just kind of like Eh, throw in one of the uh, one of the pans <laughs> with the monitors. Like, like he's done it so much. He's got like a so playbook. Different. We're gonna do a thirty-two yeah, exactly. followed by a nine. <laughs> As the show goes, the commercial Dan and Casey begin right into a conversation where Dan keeps asking Casey, "Do you understand now? Do you understand?" And he says he doesn't. So he wants to spread it out for him in a nutshell, which is a great already good lines coming where he keeps mixing his metaphors, and I love Casey's response to this. Spread it out for you in a nutshell. How you doing? I'm a professional writer. Those are again another clever sports anchor line, another snarky line in the uh, in the first couple of minutes of the episode. I like it. I mean, I like Punchy Casey. Punchy Casey seems to be a really entertaining person on TV. <laughs> I really love Dan's response, which is to do that. You have a little something on your shirt and <laughs> flick him in the nose, and then Dan's face is just like, "What? You what go, are you gonna do?" You go straight back to fifth grade itself. We go over to the control room where everyone is flummoxed about not having the Michigan games end on tape anywhere, which Jeremy tells us, well, they have to play it first. So it's a little funny, little back and forth. And we get more about Jeremy being a weather nerd where he is so impressed that it was 66 degrees in Denver. I think there are a lot of sportscasters, and and I actually didn't write this down towards the end of the episode because he brings the weather up again. And I was just kind of thinking, like, we're kind of obsessive about the weather, like whether you're sports writers or sportscasters or whatever – we're always like constantly looking at the temperature, constantly looking at the weather. Is it going to rain? We're covering a football game. It's baseball. We're covering, is, it gonna, is there going to be any precipitation? Is it going to be overly hot? What am I going to wear when I go out to the field? Like, like if it's 15 degrees, I, and like if it's going to be 15 in Boise, Idaho, and I'm doing a game there, I'm not going to bring a suit, man. I'm just going to bring a <laughs> coat and a scarf and, and wear jeans because nobody's going to see me on, you know, see my pants on TV. So it's like a, it's that, a definite. It's, it's going to play into your oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, your pre- preparation, I'm sure. Maybe not as much, though, for sitting in the control room. That's true. Although we will find out that Casey does seem to care as much as well. Though he's not out in the field, he's also in the that studio. That being said, like we're all obsessed like in sports about the weather, because more often than not, if it's an outdoor sport, it plays a factor. Dana seems to be a little testy. In fact, persnickety, persnickety is the word <laughs> used to describe her. One of my favorite words of all time. I had to look up the definition. And again, you kind of, from context, you understand what persnickety means, but... Placing too much emphasis on trivial or minor details. Fussy. She's fussy. I love that we get uh, Chris going, that was persnickety. (laughs) She keeps digging in. Uh, She's obviously worried that Gordon is going to break up with her. She keeps having little side conversations with Natalie. That's just continuing from last time. As we know, when we were at Anthony Anthony's, Gordon seemed to be about to pull the trigger, but he got interrupted, and she felt it. She figured it out, too. Oh, yeah. So Isaac enters the control room. They wants to get the senior staff in the conference room after the show. We get a little laugh track that pops in after some of these lines here. It was gone the entire beginning, and I got yes. excited that it wasn't going to be there. I wrote, 
no laugh with an ex. Actually, no. First, I wrote no laugh with an exclamation point, and then at this juncture, I heard the laugh track, and I went back to that note that I wrote, and I wrote no laugh. Like, I was like, I didn't want to jinx myself, so I didn't. I but I definitely it. typed in all caps. God, laugh track. It was so nice <laughs> it was for a while. Really, it was really disappointing. I wrote, and then I would, yeah, I'm with you. I wrote in all caps, random laugh track. With a sad face emoji. It wasn't even the best part to use no, one so far. It, it feels so out of whack and unrhythmic and out of place. And I just, I want him to stick with one track. Ugh. Either it's, either take it out or leave yes, it in. It's almost more startling to have just a little bit of it than it is for the full-fledged laugh track. When you're not, it's like two minutes of no laugh track and then a little like, <sighs> in the background. <laughs> how are you editing this? Like, the, like I, I don't know how you edit this with without feeling a little odd about it. Like, do you need to... We need to fill the three laugh track quota of this episode well, or something like that. I hope somebody begrudgingly pressed that button. We're like, fine, I'll give them right, the, the littlest the amount track. that I can. We find out what Dan's problem is, and it is this. Natalie was riding the elevator with Dan, introduced him to a woman who then she said he would call, but he feels like he can't because he started seeing somebody else in the meantime, and she's expecting him to call, so he's, what do I do? I already got to say I appreciate his concern for this. It is a menschy thing to do, as he will say later on. It is a thing to do. The fact that he's upset about, like, leaving this chick hanging, maybe Bobby Bernstein left a little impression on him now after last week. It's like, I don't want to be that guy. I've been that guy, supposedly, or at least somebody thinks I was that guy. I don't want to be that guy. And and listen, I'm as, I'm as bad about that as any human being. I, am to, I admit it. I'm a ghoster. Bad. <laughs> it's not good. Like, I ghost people. It's not a good thing to do. It's a tremendously immature thing to do. I'm 30 years old at this point. I really shouldn't be doing it. And I can appreciate that. Maybe this, maybe Bobby Bernstein was his moment to start being a mensch. Maybe I'll start being a mensch now, too. Hey, Bobby Bernstein is really paying off some dividends here. <laughs> Left and right, she's, she's turning people around. Oh, boy. I love as Dan continues to just stress this story, Casey. He still doesn't get it. And he says, which woman? He goes, there's only one woman in this story. He goes, there's three women there's three in this women. story. <laughs> he has named three women. But you explained the story so quickly. I understood what was happening. Why can't Casey figure this out? Casey, I feel like, again, is just being kind of a smart ass. Yeah, you know, you're, I think you're right. He might just be poking and prodding the bear right now. We go to a commercial and come back with uh, the show still going. They're discussing a racehorse named Fool's Ransom, another kind of funny little sports caster line where this guy said this, this guy said this. The horse declined to comment. That's kind of funny. I like that. And the show comes down. We get a little interesting factoid about CSC in terms of its business here, where we find out that they've expanded into New Mexico. Apparently, they have some new affiliate in New Mexico. Yep. We've been hearing about how they've kind of been not doing so great, but hey, they're going to keep they're, expanding. And they're quite happy. They actually took time at the end of a of of a of a show to, to right. say shout out the fine folks of Pana Blanca, New Mexico. And I'm, again, more clever sports casting lines. You know, let's just play the. I'm going to string these together in post production, and you can just listen to all of these together. Excellent. We've got more coming up, including Michigan, Indiana, and a swim in the shark tank. Plus, you never know when Casey's going to freak out on the air. Trainer Tubby Lick said he thought Fool's Ransom could run the table and win the Triple Crown. Fool's Ransom declined to comment. Any of you out there in Penablanca, New Mexico, who are watching us right now, turn off your television sets and go outside. You live in New Mexico, for crying out loud. As the show comes down, did you notice what's coming up next? Was it Monster Trucks? It's not Monster Trucks. Oh, my God. I missed it. It's downhill skiing. Downhill skiing. <laughs> I was so shocked. But, yeah, no Monster Trucks, apparently. Is it, are they out of season It might be. Point? It might yeah. be out of season. It might be. Uh, I mean, it's Is winter. that a winter thing? <laughs> <laughs> but you're, it's an indoor thing for the uh, most yeah, part. I, I don't I know. I guess. I'm not sure. We recap the story once again, as Dan says it once more. He can't 
call Rebecca because he's dating Elaine. We're getting the names now. And he feels bad about this. I love that Casey gets, again, being a smartass with the confusion. Wait, is your name Rebecca? Did she call you Rebecca? <laughs> Can I call you Becky? Is I, he, I, I really he's think really he's just kinda, he's, I think he's just poking, I think, at this point. I, I'd like to think Casey's not this dumb. I think he knows what's happening, and he just doesn't care. And that's okay, too. Absolutely. And we have a parallel conversation going on elsewhere, walking towards the conference center, as uh, Dana and Natalie are talking about the worries about Gordon. So we're ex- explicitly stating these problems right off the bat. It is nice that she picked up on it, because it felt like in Anthony Anthony, she wasn't quite picking up on it. Yeah. But she's really worried about it now. You didn't feel that she was picking up on it? I felt like she kind of... She obviously knew she was being bad, but I don't know if she was like, he's about to dump me right now. I think she, if she did realize it, then she handled it really poorly by being like, I'm going to go watch TV with Casey. Yeah, because I'm picturing that scene in my head where Gordon's about to deliver and then Casey comes over and is like, hey, we got the trade or whatever was going on in the last episode. And Dana, instead of like going, hey, let me, you know, I'll, I'll be over in a minute. She literally just looks at Gordon and goes... Ah, uh, you know, I gotta work, blah, I gotta go look at the TV at the bar, and Gordon just lets her go, and he's all frustrated. So, okay, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Uh, maybe she just, or if she it's, didn't realize it, she handled it poorly, yeah. she was prioritizing other stuff over it. It either settled in after the fact, or she really did a bad job I, I being you, like, this is a moment that I probably should not walk away from. Think about what the post date was like. Oh, yeah. Between uh, the drive the, home. The drive, probably super awkward. Maybe they, they split a cab, or like they went their separate ways, or whatever, who knows? I don't I, Probably didn't sleep sleep in the same bed that night. No, maybe I'm guessing not. no. Maybe not. Natalie's advice to Dana is that she should talk to Casey because he's good at this. And also you're secretly, secretly in love with him. <laughs> and I find it interesting, number one, that she says that Casey is good at this. He's a, he's a divorcee who, as far as we know, isn't having the best luck with the ladies right, right. now. But all right, I'll give him credit where credit's due. He must be okay with it. But I really do love that she keeps slipping in those. And you're secretly in love with him, which is a, a, a classic Natalie line, I think. She keeps denying, keeps denying, says that she is publicly in love with Gordon. That's all that matters. And she says, I 100% agree, but you're secretly in love with Casey. <laughs> so it's, it's fun. We get into the conference center, and we got, actually, we were just giving credit to Casey. Pretty jerk move when Huge jerk Dana's move. in a bad mood, and he says, is it nature's special oh, time? It made me cringe. Nasty. I heard that, and I just go, oh, really? That's kind dude, of a, that's a jerky on. line. That's a really douche move right there. I'm not a fan of that. And and I, I'm glad Dana was like, you know what? Bite me so hard. She She's... Not going to deal with that right now. Uh, She's not yeah. in the mood. That was, a, that was a rare, cringeworthy line. Although it's such a 1999 sitcom. Like, is it nature's special time? Right. <laughs> laugh track. <laughs> that's, where, that's where a 1999 laugh track would enter. Picture Al Bundy sitting on the couch and <laughs> no the pig. audience going, Woo! after that. No line. pig, it's that special time. <laughs> was that okay? Was that, that was actually was really that good. Right? I feel like that was a relatively good Al Bundy. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Isaac walks in and gives his big uh, announcement. All he says is, there's going to be a piece in tomorrow's Wall Street Journal. Don't worry about it. That's all. And he gets ready to leave. The room erupts with, what do you mean? What's going on? I love, I think Dan yells out, what are you, Agatha Christie? (laughs) And Casey's like, well, that was reassuring. We come back from commercial with Dana leaning on the wall outside of Isaac's office, kind of trying to listen in. He is evidently in a meeting with JJ. JJ is back this episode. Haven't seen JJ in quite some time. Dan comes walking up as well. They're having a nice little whispering conversation. They're talking about the source. Who was the source? So we don't get the details yet. This is a very Sorkin move yep. where we kind of fill in the blanks as we go. They think it might be Luther. It might not be Luther. We don't know what's going on. We have to get in there. We have to find out how to get in there. Casey joins as well. They decide, someone go ask for a pencil or something. Yeah, we'll we'll this, try and figure this, this out. Brilliant plan, Machiavellian plan that they're going to use to try to get into the office. Dana does an adorable little 
attempt at a magic trick. <laughs> she goes like poof with her hands to try and make them light on fire. <laughs> she says, but nothing happens, obviously. It's just a nice little laugh at Dana moment. We cut into the office and we get JJ kind of pacing about the room. Hey, you're 100% right to be upset. You can be upset. Isaac's like, I'm not upset. You would know if I was upset. But we find out the problem seems to be in this Wall Street Journal article. And I once had a subscription to the Wall Street Journal article, admittedly read almost none of it. So at first I was like, is this the kind of story that would be in the Wall Street Journal? I don't have, the, I don't have any experience I mean, to say whether I, 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 I guess this would be the type of story just because maybe, I mean, the business uh, implications of it. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the only reason why. But this seems more almost TV gossipy than, right. uh, than business related. This seems like a, like a TMZ yeah, feature yeah, more than, than Wall Street more like Journal like business. This would section. be like a, uh, maybe a, you know, I, I could see this in like a Sports Illustrated media section or something like that because if we are talking about you know heads of networks and things like that or like variety or something like i feel like that's what that's a publication that would be more appropriate sure. for like a story like this for some reason the story is that luther had lunch with another programming director they're old friends there wasn't anything about replacing isaac is what the article says however an unnamed source said that the problems that isaac and luther Sachs are having are more about on-air content and not off-air differences of opinions so this seems to be what upsets isaac more than anything somebody's throwing out information and refusing to put their name next to it as he says so it's basically like trying to set isaac up to I guess lose his job at some point. I mean, we've been talking about this where Isaac doesn't want to get fired. Luther Sachs and he have a very, you know, so, or I guess, or at least a somewhat volatile relationship professionally. So clearly somebody's trying to set him up to maybe step in or maybe move up or something like that because they want Isaac out of there. Right. They're trying to drive the wedge. And later on, yeah, Isaac yeah, says yeah. something about this division between the network and, and the, or between CSC and Continental Corp. That's a problem. That's not good for anybody. He kind of states it out there. So somebody is trying to make a move to sneak in there probably in, in some way. As they're going back and forth, we get a knock on the door, and I love that it's Jeremy standing there. <laughs> it's Jeremy that they talked into coming in looking for a staple remover. <laughs> you and I watched a couple of episodes at once. And again, uh, we, we, we attempt on this podcast not to jump too far ahead. You know, I'm sure at, at various points, just to prove we're not completely ignorant about what's going to happen in the future, we, we do talk about it, but watching this episode and the next episode, people are forcing Jeremy to do a lot of different things. <laughs> like, hey, you go in there, and you you figure it out. You help us out. I need you to do some recon work. So it was just funny because I happened to watch the two ep this episode and the next back-to-back. -back. So it was just funny to me that this stuck out. I'm sure we'll yes. discuss it in the next one. Admittedly, too. I laughed out loud at that moment because <laughs> I didn't. I forgot that they roped Jeremy into it. You see them debating, like, who's going to knock, and the door opens, and it's Jeremy. Hey. Look at, like get, a deer in headlights. Can I get that staple remover? Which he says later, I actually do need a staple I, <laughs> I like other words, like, ask for a pencil. No, that's too obvious. <laughs> Let's go with staple remover. It's more subtle. They all kind of, Isaac says, who else is out there? And they all kind of pop their heads in the doorway. Hey. And then says, I told you not to worry about it. Get out of here. And they leave. Which, I think that is a pretty good scene, actually. Yeah. I, you know what? I'm warming up to the episode talking yeah, about yeah. it more than I was you know, watching. I, I would agree with you. I, again, it just, just from the 30,000 foot perspective, it does feel like a lot of these little moments are more filler, more slapsticky, and that's okay. It's not like we haven't had episodes this season that aren't like that. There are a lot of episodes like that. We, you know, we've, we've been tagging them as palate cleansers. I don't think this is much of a palate cleanser. I think this is, like you said, trying to introduce a lot of different elements, Yeah. but we still need to fill 22 minutes of content. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, let's have some fun. Let's, let's mess around a little bit. So 
again, compared to the meatiness and the substance of a lot of the recent episodes that we've had, this one just doesn't stack up so far. But that doesn't mean it's a bad episode. I think I agree with you there. I'm looking at my notes here, and I, I kind of break them up. by I have little headers. Scene, scene, so I know yeah, what's yeah, going yeah. on. And I'm looking at that on one page. I have seven different scenes. And that means we're cutting a lot, which yeah, usually yeah, yeah. is a good thing for the show. Like, it keeps the things moving. But you're right that a lot of those cutaways aren't meaty. There's not yeah. a lot going on, which you're, you're 100% correct about there. That's the strange feeling. Speaking of one of those cuts, we go to a little bit of walking and talking. Dan decides, I'm going to go up there. It's the Menchie, Menchie thing, thing to do. I love when people say it's the Menchie thing to do. It is nice. It is nice. So as Dan decides to go talk to Rebecca, we have Natalie convincing Dana to talk to Gordon about the situation going on there. What makes you think Casey's interested in advising me on how I can get Gordon not to break up with me? He's not, but he'll do it anyway. Why? Because he's secretly in love with you. He's not. He's only pretending he's not. We've been through this, you and I. He's pretending he's pretending he's not. So I think he is, but he's not. But he thinks he is, which doesn't matter anyway, because I'm in love with Gordon. I know. Good. But you're secretly in love with Casey. We go into a new scene here where we are on a floor of the building we've never seen before with a woman we've never seen before. It's Rebecca. Rebecca's here. It is Terry Polo, probably best known for the Meet the Meet the Blanks film franchise, yes. Meet the Fockers, Meet the Parents, Meet the Little Fockers. I can't remember that one. I didn't see that one. But she's probably most known for that. She's also uh, she was on the West Wing for 10 or 12 episodes, I think, as Mrs. Santos. She was uh, Matthew Santos' wife, eventually becomes the first lady. Oh, yeah. Uh, she is still acting pretty heavily, actually. She's been in a bunch of movies over the last few years. But like you said, Meet the Parents, Meet the Fockers, Little Fockers. Little, I knew so that it was wasn't Meet the Little Fockers. The little they fuckers. weren't combining the two. It was, <laughs> it was just Little Fockers. Uh, she's been on various television shows outside of just the Sorkin universe, uh, Ghost Whisperer, Monk for an episode, Glory Days, been on Law & Order, been on Castle, uh, more Law & Order, Royal Pains, also has been on the $100,000 Pyramid as a celebrity guest. Ooh, the new $100,000? The new one hundred, the, like the 2016 version of $100,000 nice. Pyramid. She's currently on a show called The Fosters, where I think she plays a cop. I was looking, I was just kind of scanning through. She's a very dramatic haircut at this point, very short haircut. <laughs> Uh, but even now, she's just this we, this stranger redhead woman with a little bob haircut walking back and forth as Dan goes, hey, and tries to chase her down, and she seems not to know who he is at all. This clearly gets right to Dan's core. <laughs> he's, he's, I'm, I'm Dan Rydell. Great. I don't know who you Like, she's no idea who he is. I like how Dan in this scene just, like, storms in with no subtlety whatsoever. Like, hey, it's me. Good to see you. Just got to jump into this right away. <laughs> Not going to give you any fair warning or let you settle in or go, hey, good to see you again. I'm literally just going to jump in. This was my plan. Here's what I was going to do. And then this happened and this happened. And this is why I can't go out with you right now. But I'm really, really sorry. And I think she was just flabbergasted by the whole thing. Like, well, she's who are you? What are she you says, doing? who the hell are you? Yeah, who are you? No who idea. the hell are you? And I, 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 my question became at this point, and they sort of touch on it later on, what was up with Natalie if she kept pestering Dan for yeah. a week or so? Hey, are you going to call Rebecca? She's looking forward to it. This makes it sound like she had been talking to Rebecca. Yeah. Later on, somebody says, oh, so Natalie blew the call, which she clearly did. She clearly blew the call if she's she's pushing so much for it. Part of me wondered if it was like her doing one of her passive-aggressive punishments. <laughs> like, I'm going to I'm gonna make a fool of you. That almost would have made more sense it's, to me, But actually. it seems like a sincere <laughs> yeah. mistake that she was just like, hey, call Rebecca. Yeah, yeah, you're going to like this girl. I'm trying to figure out Dan's psychology in this i'm trying to figure out his like psyche in this moment like what's his reasoning behind some of this and like as the conversation goes on and clearly rebecca does not recognize yeah. dan did or, jennifer and, put you up to this like, yeah exactly like, stop with the jennifer 
which I, which I loved. I love that little reaction there. But it's like, is he upset that somebody doesn't recognize him? Is he upset that a woman is not interested in him, seemingly? And obviously, Rebecca makes it very clear later in the episode, like, I'm just not interested. I'm trying to figure out, like, where he's coming from at this point. It's That's a great question. And again, trying to not look too far ahead. A big season two arc of Dan's is... is kind of dealing with that too like you like need everyone to like you, you yeah, need, yeah, yeah yeah like yeah. he's really concerned about that so it's it's kind of hinting at that already that's a great question i don't know some people really genuinely get upset if they don't get recognized i've heard stories i'm not gonna say names i've heard stories of people like who will go to restaurants and like won't leave until like somebody recognizes that that's actually really depressing that's really sad and like you're putting a lot i i, I get it you put so much of yourself into this and you're on for so many people. I mean, millions of people watch us in various points uh, of our of you know of our seasons or whatever during our careers. Like for one night, you're gonna have a million people watching, maybe two million, maybe three. If it's a big event, maybe five to ten, or maybe even beyond. I get that you want to put out the best possible version of you every single time, and you want to be recognized for that. You know, if you do something positive in your career or your job, you want to be recognized for that in some capacity. So I get the the principle of this but like there's some sad sadness to this if you're putting so much of the your stock into whether or not people like o- only if people recognize you or like praise you for what you're doing like there there's there's some psychological sadness to that there is definitely some sadness and it makes me wonder how much is the right amount if you feel really bad not being recognized and then i know that you always hear celebrities being like pestered by the public then as well because they're recognized yeah, too yeah, much yeah, yeah. like what would be the happy medium for somebody like that there's a great scene in the newsroom in season three when olivia munn uh, her character sloan sabbath is interviewing the guy who replaces neil as like the digital guy and she's she does the app that like lets you find celebrities kind of stalk like the gawker, them yeah like the gawker stalker style app right and she basically pesters him and there's this great exchange and it's more, more so her, obviously, where she's talking about, like, what's the, like, basically, what's the line of demarcation? Aren't they protected by the piles of money they're surrounded by? Okay, what's the line of demarcation? You make over X dollars a year, and now you get to be treated by us as a regular person who's basically had an electronic bracelet slapped on their ankle. What does X equal? It would be silly to name an exact dollar amount. You're paid $55,000 a year. Well, that's private. <laughs> Sorry, that's almost twice the national average for a family of four. Do your piles of cash protect you from this interview in which I'm intentionally stripping you of your dignity? And by the way, I've managed to do it without lying once. I remember the scene. I didn't remember it perfectly, but I remember it. And I remember that guy being kind of like a chubby, nasty, mean. He reminds me of JJ's cousin who will show up <laughs> later on. Who's like, who's like, whatever, man. I'm just kind of doing this thing. And like, it has no no worry about consequences or offending people. Yeah, there's, there's a, like we said, there's a significant amount of smarm going on and uh, i think jj fills that this might be his cousin too (laughs) (laughs) we go to a new scene in the editing room where uh, casey is editing some nascar it looks like dana comes in to talk to him but then uh, dan walks in and and she's like well never mind and kind of like runs away she's like flirty happy kind of it's like well what do you what do you need right he's like like, you came here yeah well i gotta go (laughs) and she runs away that's kind of that's kind of funny i love uh casey says that woman is crazier than any 10 people i know (laughs) (laughs) I, I thought that was pretty funny there. Uh, and Dan is just bamboozled here. She didn't even recognize me. Yeah. She's freaking out. She is, she's, she, he's freaking out. She doesn't recognize me at all. She doesn't even remember talking to me. Like, this really gets to him. This seems very upsetting to him. 
This is uh, even all right, we were just kind of talking about this. He says my real problem is that I I seem to have made no impression at all. That's what he says. So to him, making a good impression, even if she didn't remember the elevator, even going up there and talking to her, he says the problem really that's affecting him is she didn't seem to care either way about me. Yeah, you think of yourself as a charming affable human being you want people to recognize that you're a charming affable human right being. and yeah. she didn't appreciate me being a mensch and going up in there to talk she, to she her. had no appreciation right. of the menschy nature of my act no Case, casey even acknowledges like oh you would have thought she'd say well it was very nice of you to come back yeah, here yeah, let's yeah. go you want to get a drink yeah exactly none you know, of that i'm even. being i'm being my adorable self and i was hoping well since you made the trip casey says why don't we uh yeah why don't it's, why don't we go it's out it's the ever? great contradiction i went up there to tell you i can't go out with you because i'm seeing somebody else but it would be nice if you would want to go out with me sure. so it's it's uh that's really a little getting pre- again that's a little presumptuous a though little bit. <laughs> it's getting dan's goat that I he's just, uh, I just i just told you that you know, like i said he came in with no subtlety when he goes into rebecca's office and is basically saying like hey uh, here's here was my plan i'm dating this other woman eh come on <laughs> don't you want me come on like, that's a little presumptuous, isn't it? That's that's Dan Rydell, baby. <laughs> we go to another scene where J.J. and Isaac are still in the office talking. This has to be like an hour-long meeting this, here. It's, it's coming off as such. And, and with all the cuts that we're doing, I don't know how to yeah. Inception translate <laughs> the timing of this. But, yeah, it feels like an hour. happening, apparently. Uh, J.J. says that he wishes he would Isaac would use him more, right? I, I'm the go-between. I'm a good go-between. Isaac's kind of offended by this. I don't need a go-between. Like, I have no need for any of that, right? Uh, JJ is like, I could help. I can, you know, he's trying to improve his role. It seems like I wonder if, okay, is he trying to improve his role because he knows like somebody is going to like get, but like get put on the chopping block here and he, maybe he wants to move into somebody else's job or yeah. like what, what's your motivation, JJ? And he's so smarmy and he's got the weird, like late nineties, like curly haircut right. and he's got, he's always squinting JJ, and he's like, he looks JJ very, without glasses. Caught me off guard. Yeah, yeah, he didn't, yeah, because he didn't have glasses, and he, he just constantly squints. Like, like even right. when he's leaving the office, and he's like, "Oh, Isaac, uh, I wanted to bring my fiance by," and he like kind of like puts his chin up and nose up, and he's like almost looking out the bottom of his eyes and squinting hard at Isaac, and he just <laughs> looks real smarmy for some reason. I do wonder what. I mean, we'll find out eventually, but I do wonder what his uh, motivation was because I don't think we've seen him since since. The I don't pilot. think we've seen him since the pilot, and yeah. he there left with a real bad taste in everyone's mouth. As he, you know, Casey yells at him, and you know, I'll put my foot on your throat. If, yeah, exactly. if your voice is the voice of the network and all this, so maybe he's just trying to be like, hey, I, I want to make up for being a jerk before, or maybe he has ulterior motives. It I guess feel, we'll, it, we'll find out. It's hard not to think of ulterior motives. Like it's hard not to believe that he's got a he's got an agenda here. We go to a new scene where, once again, Dan has made his way into Rebecca's office. She says, hey, Don, which is another great – you can tell right away he's like, ooh, that one's stuck. I, I can't even tell if Rebecca's just mean or totally and maybe blissfully ignorant of all well, this. I mean, going forward, she says she didn't even know he was on TV. Yeah. Like, you're Dan Rydell. Oh, great. I'm on Sports Night. I've never seen Sports Night. Like, she like, clearly – Like, you work for this network. Like, well, not really. I work for the company who owns the network. Right. I'm, I'm not required animal. to watch the show. Exactly. And then I love his response. He's like, you know, some people watch it voluntarily. <laughs> he even – all right, he got to – he gets down – he's being very honest with her, which credit yeah. to Dan Rydell. I, I, I like Dan Rydell. Honest Dan Rydell. He's, honest Dan. I'm a fan of Honest Dan. Right. That was also a very unfortunate ride. I like Honest yeah, Dan. That was not, that was not good. <laughs> I'll, I'll, we, I'm not going to edit it out, just so just so people know. I'm not going to edit out that awful rhyme, just so you know. I, I, I'm cognizant of how stupid that was. He says to her, but for this woman, Elaine, I definitely would have called you. You seem very nice, all this. And she's like, great, I don't care. 
He leaves and he comes right back and he flat out, he's continuing his honesty, says, you know, you know what? I like you. Yeah. These little conversations have been fun. Would you like to have a drink? Let's have a drink. And she shuts him right down. Honestly, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm just not interested. Just not interested. And you know what? Credit her for that, too. Me as somebody who lives in the, mo- in the world of modern dating... Gotta appreciate the honesty. Can't, <laughs> coming right can't, out. Can't I am knock not the interested. honesty from either one of these two individuals right now. It does have a flirty feeling to it, though. It and she kind of gives a little smile as he leaves. So maybe he's wearing him down. I, I love that he says, "All right, all right, you don't have to. Be, you don't have to hit me over the head. At least not seven, not or, eight seven times. or eight times." Yeah. I like at the end of it, he goes, "Yeah, this has been a real clam bake." Like I don't know what does that mean. Can you tell me what that means? I mean, like, is that just a party of some sort? I picture, is that a Northeastern? I picture it being like on a beach somewhere, like you know. I've had, I guess, clam bakes at some point. I, I don't know what that like means. If somebody, somebody wants to tweet at us. I, I'm picturing know. like a group of people on a beach eating clams. Yeah, like, like that's is that fun. Just, it's I like, guess. oh, it's a, the the party itself is called the clam bake, and we're all having a good time. So I guess that I, that must that has to be like a northeastern, like Rhode Island. I wish it would have been another Yiddish expression. <laughs> yeah, we could have. Yeah, you got Let's stick with the Yiddish. Let's stay on that right path. But I like kind of like what he says, and he's almost a little smarmy about it. It's like, I'm gonna go do my job on this uh, on this show, which you can watch on your TV. <laughs> And then he kind of backs out, and he's like, excellent, thank you. And then he doesn't know which direction to go. So he's kind of – I think he was still a little offended when he was – or maybe maybe he was just – his his ego got bruised a little bit, and it's he was trying to help bruised. himself out. Yeah. He is he is a, an overripe banana at this point. <laughs> he's hurting. We go to a new scene. Hold on. I can't let you get away with it. overripe banana. <laughs> They're bruised. That, They're was, that, was really, I don't know. that was really good. I like I was, that. I don't know if I'm that I'm not editing as well. that out either. <laughs> All right, I'm keeping overripe banana. All right, I'm trying to make that a thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm using it. I might have to at this point. <laughs> we, we go to a new scene in which Casey is sitting in the office typing. Dana comes in. This is a little bit showing how much they know each other. He knows that she's going to be excited because, hey, we're talking about a Zamboni. You like sure. Zambonis, right? And that's most, a, Yeah, that's a really cute thing. It yeah. is. It is. Although she says, I think most people do. And he says, I think most people are indifferent <laughs> to them. I've ridden a Zamboni. It's exciting for a minute, then it's like 20 minutes of boredom. The last time I even thought about a Zamboni, I watched Deadpool recently, and oh, there's a scene in Deadpool where like the guy's on the in the hockey rink and right. he's crawling, and, and Ryan Reynolds is chasing him on the Zamboni, and he goes, you're about to die, <laughs> and then they go to the wide shot, and he's like, he's at his own blue line, and the other guy's like in the, in the other offensive zone, he goes, in five minutes! Like, that's the last time I even had a remote thought about his Zamboni. Oh, that's great. So I'm probably indifferent to that. Well, I feel like whenever you go to a hockey game, they always have like kids come out and ride the Zamboni, ride the Zamboni between Zamboni periods. Sure, yeah. And you see them like first really psyched and waving, and then it takes a long time to resurface like, an ice rink. How much more of this? Uh, the novelty wears off right. very quickly. I was I, my my brother-in-law is from South Bend, Indiana, and going over there. We went to a, a Notre Dame hockey game one day, yeah. and then afterwards he knows some people that work there. At the work at the arena, so we went down, and I got he's the guy's like, I got to resurface. Do you want to take a ride? I'm like, Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Why not? It was immediately like, Man, this is a long ride. It's a long but time. To those guys, I was about to say to their credit, I've been saying that a lot today. But those guys do a lot. Surprisingly, there's a lot of knobs to turn, a lot of like things to pay attention. You got to muscle your way oh, around yeah. with that, and you have to be very. There's precise. a lot of raising and lowering of the blade. You don't want too much water. Like it is a complicated process. So yeah. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not wagging my finger at any Zamboni operators out there, but. As a passenger, I'm kind of looking around like, yeah, saw this side of the ice before. I'm not going to lie to you. I just looked up Zamboni operator salary. I was curious. What do you got? So, again, I don't. let's not assume that this is for everybody, but 
For many fans, this is a little from jobmonkey.com. For many fans, it is a mesmerizing part of the ice arena. The average ice resurfacer driver makes $13 per hour or about $31,000 per year. Pay depends on what size arena you work at, the quality of the ice you generate. If you love ice and don't mind getting cold at work, you should consider a job <laughs> as an ice resurfacer. What a pitch that is. <laughs> I mean, that's a very narrow... <laughs> I feel like that's a very narrow <laughs> like criteria. Oh, I wonder if it's like... Uh... Like anything else, if like you start in AAA and, <laughs> yeah. and then you, you work your way up to you're the working base. in the AHL first, right. for the Hartford Wolfpack, and then your <laughs> dream is to be the Zamboni driver at Madison Square Garden for the Ranger games. That's, they're not just pulling in some any Tom Dick or Harry off the street for that. <laughs> I don't think like, you said there's knobs and you know what many many precise actions. I'm, I'm weighing the Zambonis now. <laughs> this this took a really interesting turn yeah, for no, me. Listen, that we learned something new today. <laughs> we get. <laughs> Getting off of the Zamboni. <laughs> we get uh, Casey reading, understanding that Dana's got some problems, yep. and he uh, dives right into it. They have a nice little conversation here where Casey kind of tries to reassure her. The truth is, I have a job that involves me and stimulates me and rewards me and takes up a lot of my time, and I'm not willing to do my job just a little bit. I want to do all of it. It's part of me, and I am different without it, and that is who I am, and that is who you need to love. Except it won't work. Yes, it will. It won't. Say it just like that. It won't. Dana, any man who hears that and doesn't say, for a woman like you, for a person for you, I will take whatever time you can give me and be grateful for that all my life. Any man who hears that and doesn't throw you down in the nearest flat surface is just <laughs> taking up space for the rest of us. Person for you? Did you hear that? Like a little bit of a grammatical issue? Like for, for a woman like you, for a person for you? Oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you caught Maybe. that the first time. I was too... I was... I mean, don't get me wrong. It's another swoon-worthy yes. speech. Very, very swoon-worthy Casey's speech. throwing out a lot of... Uh, he's talking about menstruation. Now he's talking about throwing people down on the flat, flat surfaces. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Casey has an issue with women, I think. It Maybe is very... Does, yeah. It's charming. And he seems to be winning Dana over a little bit over there as well. But it's also like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's had some issues here. Yeah, I, I don't know. The person for you thing just threw me off a little bit. But it's a really, really sweet speech. We uh, can't ignore Snuffy. Snuffy comes in with some good stuff right there as well, of course. He's just... That, that's a guy that's not a AAA anymore. He's way up yeah, in the pros. Yeah, he's, he's, he's up in the pros. The other line I like about this was when Casey, after he delivers the, the quick speech, he goes, and you shouldn't need Natalie to shove you in here every time you want to talk about something. And Dana's got this really cute kind of like... She just shove me in here, and she's got like this little smirk. It's a really cute... Uh, Felicity Huffman moment. I really like that that subtle moment there. It made me uh, it made me swoon a little. Yeah, bit. it's a nice. Uh, again, we know at this point it's very obvious that there's this feelings from both Obviously. of them, so they keep denying Obviously. it. But they're still trying to be professional. They're not trying to screw anything up. Yeah, Casey is honestly trying to help. Her. Yeah, they're, he's trying to the truth. He's trying to be a friend. We get a new scene. It is just before showtime. JJ is standing there with his fiance named Judith. JJ and Judith are together. I hope the monogram towels will be uh, will be nothing easy but to, Jays. Yeah, just Jays just, just constant Jays everywhere. By the way, I, I made a note. She is way out of his league. Way out of his league. He totally outkicked his coverage with uh, with Judith. Judith seems like uh, like a delight, and she she's a very, very attractive nice. woman. She's very pretty. Yeah, like, she's very nice to Isaac. All she, we get like, is JJ being a jerk. Judith seems like the sweetest person yeah. in the world. How did you how did you land Judith, JJ? Was it your smarm that won her over, <laughs> just out of curiosity? She likes grease balls that are trying to sneak <laughs> things in here and there. 
Isaac walks up to them and, and you know introduces and shakes some hands. JJ tries to be really friendly. Go watch out for watch Isaac with the ladies. ladies. I, I know. It's so right. smarmy. What? I really do not like JJ at he's all just whatsoever. A, he's just a jerk. And Isaac's like, hey, Natalie, come on over. This is Judith. Why don't you introduce him to the guy sitting at the desk? And things get a little intense all of a sudden. <laughs> I was thinking about what I said earlier. About what? About creating division between the show and the network. I said it's not good for CSC, it's not good for the show, it's not good for Continental Corp, and it's not good for Luther Sachs. Yeah. So I asked myself, who would it be good for? Yeah. I find out that quote in the journal came from you, I'm going to own your ass. I mean, I'll absolutely own it. Cold-blooded. Cold-blooded. <laughs> Isaac is the man. I love him so much. He's, he's really great, and I love... Here's the, the other thing, too. Judith comes back and says, and J.J., they really like you. So clearly, Dan and Casey know what the right political right. things to say. It's like, oh, that's, uh, that's Judith's fiance. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, J.J.'s, JJ's, JJ's so... Uh, he's, a, he's a key player. Yeah, he's here, he's great. Yeah. We love J.J. Can't, can't do our jobs without J.J. When Isaac leaves... And the camera, and again, great camera work here to kind of pan around JJ, and you get the whole like look on his face. It is awesome. Like he is angry. He is a little blown away. He's a little shocked. That was awesome. Definitely, I love that you could see Isaac had figured this out. He's like, I tried to figure out who would this be good for. Yeah, exactly. And it's only you. Yeah. Like you, you piece of garbage. You son of a. I, I know, know what you're him. up to here. This yeah. really goes again to respect. Isaac is a character who is just no nonsense. Yep. Like he said earlier, when I say something, I put my name next to it. Right? Exactly. I, I'm not playing games. I, I do this. I'm a professional. I'm doing the best I can here. And he's like no respect for anyone who does anything otherwise. Agreed. He is a no nonsense type of guy in the professional sense. We kick over to the control room. Dana is talking about needing a 30 second fill. Jeremy, of course, suggests talking weather. about the weather, <laughs> which is I, he's just a, a meteorology nerd, actually, as Natalie corrected earlier. It's pretty classic right there. And I like, I made a note here. We basically end exactly where we started. Yeah. We're at the desk. Dan and Casey are talking about Rebecca, although with a little more to talk about now. And in the control room, Natalie and Dana are talking about the Gordon situation. So it comes full circle. Yeah. Little bit of development on each side, but for the most part, we're exactly where we left off. And I like the interplay here between Dan and Casey talking about the situation. And Dan admittedly says, I don't even know him. And no joke, I. I really like her. It's a little painful to me that I'm not going to be seeing her tonight. You understand what I'm saying? Truthfully, yes, I do. And I really like Casey's retort at the end of it too. Like, you know, do you, like do you know? Do you understand? He's like, you know what? I do. And then you get the another classic Tommy Shalami shot. Just kind of looks off into yep. the distance, probably at Dana or in Dana's general direction. They start their show. I, I have a very upsetting note here. They introduce each other, but they don't say those stories plus they didn't this say time. Don't, I was waiting for it because typically we like to use when Dan or Casey or whoever say those stories plus. We like to use that in our intros, and we never got one in this one. Disappointment. But they mentioned spring training. My God, they're accurate with the timeline. Yeah. It's almost February. They're within a couple of weeks. They did something right this time. Except for the trade deadline in the last episode. <laughs> Let's just gloss over that. We'll 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 give him a give him a pass. We'll give him a little mulligan on that. And it is time for spring training. So that is episode fourteen, Rebecca. I feel like we gave it a little too much uh, of a beating at the beginning. It is it's an enjoyable episode. Yeah. I would say this with this show, at least so far, there have been very good episodes and there have been good episodes. This is leaning more towards the bottom of that scale. 
but it's not bad. Yeah, we're grading on a curve here. Like, if, right. like we we wouldn't be talking this in-depthly right. about this show if, I if we was, didn't enjoy it. If I was to sit down and go, I'm going to watch one episode of Sports Night, I would not pick This Rebecca. would not be towards the top of the list. But it's still, it's a good, there's a lot of little quips in there, a nice development of some characters, and yeah. a nice push towards the, well, we're, we're at the peak, we're at the apex of the season here. It's time to start heading down in the, the second half here. We get we get some good material to work with. Yeah, again, it's not it's not going to be one of the classic Sorkin episodes. It's not going to be a classic episode in this first season, but it has its moments. That's all you can ask for at this point. We've had some really high quality, meaty episodes as of late. So, like again, I'm not calling it a clunker, but it's just it's it's not going to live up to what we've been used to and and the kind of substance that we've been used to talking. We talked a lot about Zambonis in this episode. Okay, <laughs> we really like we had, we were reaching a little bit, but I enjoyed it still. We talked more about Zambonis in this episode than all the other episodes combined. <laughs> there so. was a, there was a low level of Zamboni penetration in the first 13 episodes of this season. <laughs> Next time on those stories plus we will be talking about episode 15, Dana and the Deep Blue Sea, direct continuations of some of these storylines going forward. And uh, more Rebecca to look forward to. Yeah, and, and really good Rebecca. There's a classic scene that I'm sure we'll play for you and dive into uh, more in depth. But it is a th- this is a uh, like a, one of those I remember this episode Definitely. type of episodes. Definitely. As always, you can follow us all over the internet at Those Stories Pod. That's on Instagram, on Twitter. You can email us as well if you have comments or questions or things you want to mention about each episode at Those Stories Pod at Gmail and, of course, our website is thosestoriespod.weebly.com. You can download and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. We're also available on Stitcher. Feel free, if you are so inclined, to leave a review for us. Let us know what you think about it. Let other people know what you think. We really do appreciate the nice things that uh, so far people have had to say about it. Please continue to interact with us on Twitter. Uh, we're both getting better about it at Those Stories Pod. I'm at Adam Amin. Steve is at SJCIM. So alongside Adam Amin, I'm Steve Cimino. Thanks for listening to Those Stories Plus.